Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ explored the importance of offering what we have, even if it feels like it's not enough. It comes from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. Jordan read for us a, uh, one of the most famous stories in the New Testament. <clears throat> if you had to pick a story that somehow epitomizes what Jesus was about, and what signaled to people that, that Jesus is from God, <clears throat> there are a handful of stories you could pick, and this would be one of them, the feeding of the 5,000. Some of the Gospels have two versions of it, feeding of the 5,000, later feeding of the 4,000. Even John has it. You know, I've explained that John is a book that was unique in, in, in where it was written, for why it was written. It's very, very clear that there's lots of things we could have told you, John says. We included the things to help you understand who Jesus was so that you would believe in him. And so John takes off on a whole different tangent, whole different set of sayings, whole different set of miracles. But this one, this one is in common with the other four gospels, other three gospels, albeit with a twist that's worth paying attention to when we get there. And yet for something that is as ubiquitous, as something as, as, as essential as, as this story is to understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do, and more importantly, what we're supposed to do, there seems to be all kinds of interpretations about what this means and how do we apply it. I've heard it, you've heard it maybe, that this is a, the story that tells people don't overplan. God will provide. Don't, don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. This is all up to God, whatever that is. <clears throat> it might explain, some people think, why when there are church potlucks, remember those? When there are church potlucks that at the end of the table, there is that one dish with the lime jello and the shredded carrots and the marshmallow topping with sometimes walnuts on top, and there's always enough left over <laughs> that it too is a miracle. Perhaps. <laughs> I always worry when I say that, that I have just insulted somebody's family recipe that has been passed on. I'm talking about the other one. <laughs> Before we go down that rabbit trail too far, let's just start with where we jump in on this story. And maybe the best place to jump in is this sense of being overwhelmed. That's where I come to this story. I get this story. Forget all the applications. That'll come later. But let's just start with, with, with the gut feeling of overwhelmed. It begins with Jesus coming and saying to his disciples, pushing their buttons intentionally, we are told. Hey, where are we going to buy food for, to feed all these people? And it worked. It worked. The disciples, you can hear the panic in them through the voice of Philip and going, listen, more than half a year's salary wouldn't be enough for the appetizers for this group. Are you kidding me? Overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed right now, don't we? We get overwhelmed when we turn on the TV and watch the scenes from Ukraine and the sense of, oh my gosh, on top of two years of a pandemic, 
on top of the sickness and on top of the, the, the polarization that has been caused, on top of things like inflation, on top of the, the way all this has continued to spotlight and polarize things like racial tensions. And that's, that's the stuff on the headlines. That's not even the stuff that's at your dinner table. That's not even the stuff within your own family and your own friends. Overwhelmed, we get overwhelmed. We may not understand everything in this story, but we get that gut feeling, that panic, that there just isn't enough. We get it when we look around and, and, and Andrew coming and saying, listen, there's a youth here who's got five barley loaves and two fish, but... What good is that? We got nothing. Whatever we've got, whatever is needed, we don't have enough. If you don't understand overwhelmed, you haven't been paying attention. Because there is at the core of this day and the core of our being this sense of, as we come to the challenges of the day, as we come to the things that have our name on it, and we wish they didn't have our name on it because we don't have enough time, we don't have enough energy, we don't have enough focus, we don't have enough resources, we don't even sure we have enough goodwill in us, strength. We're pretty sure we don't even have enough faith to pull all this off. So yeah, we get overwhelmed. So what are we supposed to do with that? Let me start with what we're not supposed to do. This is not an invitation to a certain type of passivity where we just say, well, God will provide us all up to God. This is not that kind of thing that says, well, let's not overplan. Let's not worry about it too much. Coffee and donuts, let's just wing it. Let's just see what happens. Let's leave out a, an old bagel cup of coffee just let's see what God does with that that's not what we did by the way we have coffee we have donuts God does work in mysterious ways today it was called Jordan it is not meant to be religious indifference church people get in trouble with this one where it's this is a God thing and that maybe when we, we, we think we've solved the problem by uttering some pious slogan. You know, I got, you know but, but people don't live by bread alone. It's by doing the will of God. Or maybe God's trying to teach the, this crowd something, a lesson here. In the midst of, in the midst of true story, in the midst of a, of a worldwide famine, hearing some people in a church, not this one, Say, well, maybe this is meant to teach them to trust God and that they will turn to Christ and then they will have enough. You see how that sounds pious, but it's really just another symptom of feeling overwhelmed and I don't know what to say, so I'm going to say something and it's not going to make much sense. Or, or even moving to the spiritual escapism that shows up. That they will learn to trust God in there. That's, that's their problem. That's for them. Or as you have heard and I have heard, there's various quarters that are now using what's going on in Ukraine and, and, and the horror that's happening there. Just saying, listen, this is God's will. 
this is just prelude to God coming back. The rapture's coming soon. And if you know what that word means, you, you understand all of that. If you don't, don't worry, you haven't missed much. It's all, part, it's all part of that overwhelmed sense, though, isn't it? It's all what happens, what happens when you're overwhelmed. You don't know what else to do, and you feel like you've got to do something. So we come back because we understand that this is a symptom. This is not a solution. Because what Jesus is asking, and Jesus is asking the question, so how are we going to feed these people? This does have our name on it, Jesus says. This does have something to do with how we are going to interact and intersect and show up for our world. Maybe, maybe in that is the first is the beginning of the realization that that ache of the need that's in front of us is beginning to hear the ache of God, that God's kind of concerned with the, with the hunger and the thirst and the shelter of people. Or maybe the second part then comes to the humility. It was like, wow, we don't have enough, do we? And maybe that's the starting point because one of the biblical, general biblical themes that we can bring to this and to ours is that it's when we don't have enough and when we realize we don't have enough, the abundance of God tends to show up. Sometimes it's only when we begin to understand we don't have enough that the abundance of God shows up in new ways. But... But then there's this part that I think is fairly particular to John, what John is trying to get to today. Because John has a couple details that as he tells this story, as this story is being told to us, for people who are trying to understand how do we flourish, how do we have the flourishing life in a world where we don't have enough, there's this part that nobody else talks about, which is Andrew. And it's Andrew who comes up, and Andrew's the one who has been at busy and says, listen, there's this kid here. He's got five loaves, two fish. Listen, I know it's not enough. But, but the point here is that Andrew is doing and focusing on what he can do, even if he knows it's not enough. And there is something about focusing on what can be done and not worrying so much about what cannot, taking care of what's in front of you. What do you have in front of you? What are the opportunities in front of you? What are the challenges right here, right now? What can you do? That John is trying to point to. And the fact that it's not enough is almost beside the point. The point is, yeah, but what are you going to do? Is there something that is there that you can do? When I was in Zimbabwe the, many years ago now, and that's when the AIDS epidemic was, was still ravaging that land. And I was at the home of one of the pastors named Wilbert. And he took me out to his garden, and garden, it was six feet by two feet, and he was growing aloe plants. And he said, this is a project of the congregation. We're growing aloe in order to help provide some medicinal skin care for people with AIDS. I know what you know is that that has nothing to do with solving anything, but, but maybe, maybe it was something they could do. And while I first thought, this is ridiculous. I thought, this is gospel too, isn't it? Because what is being healed here is, is, the, is the sense of isolation. We're going to do something, and we're going to care for people who have been shunned, 
Maybe this is a way of getting to the, the things that make people afraid and ashamed and feel so isolated and alone that nobody cares. They have become untouchable. And so even by doing this, this is what we can do. It doesn't solve everything, but it does solve some important things. And I learned something that day about focusing on what you can do and not worrying so much about what you can't. We do that, don't we, every time we have a deacon offering? All the things that, as Julie was talking today about the deacons do, have we solved all the world's problems? No, but we have solved that person's problem with rent. We have taken care of and helped that person as they are trying to get a car fixed so they can go to their work. If we focused on all the things, we'd say, what's the point? But the point is we've got some things that we can do. That seems to be an important one. What can we do? do you, can you still pray even though your prayers don't seem to get answered and take care of everything? Do we give to the one great hour as sharing even though that that's not going to solve all the problems in, in the world? Do we, uh, do we give our efforts to the things that might work as we're building ha houses for habitat, as we're providing shelter, as we're teaching? It, it doesn't solve everything. But the point is, Andrew's point is, yeah, but what can you do? What can you do? Because I think it gets to that third part of this, that third part of this, that it's not so much what you do, but how you do it. When Sister Teresa, later Mother Teresa, now Saint Teresa, gave herself to doing nothing more than caring for people who were dying, not healing anybody except of the loneliness, the shame, the isolation, Helping people know that there was somebody who loved them and cared for them. And it caught on. She was on to something, wasn't she? It's not everything. We can't do everything. But in, in some of the poorest, most miserable, God-forsaken places in the world, we're going to be there because we can. And, and later on being able to say, we may not all be able to do great things. We can't solve everything, but we can do all things with great love. Seems to me that's part of this story. Seems to me that's part of what Andrew is trying to get at. And then there is the little boy who offers. Andrew didn't even have it. The little boy did. And so here we got five loaves, couple fish. But what good is that? And I think here's the crux of this one. The question is not whether or not what we have and what we do is enough. The real concern is, is it available? It is not that we have something that's going to solve it all and make it enough. It's that it is available. I'm offering, I'm giving it. God is in the business of taking what is laughably inadequate and making it enough. Ask Moses, who had to go before Pharaoh, lead a people out of Israel. He didn't have enough. I can't even talk well, he said, and God said, what's in your hand? It's a staff. Okay, are you available, Moses? He goes to David, who probably had a much higher opinion of himself than he should have, but this is David the shepherd as he's going against the Goliath of the world. And it's not that he had enough with five stones, it's that he was available, he was there. And it's not enough so much that the disciples, the ones with the calculators who are doing the calculations that, oh my goodness, it would take six months and we couldn't even provide hors d'oeuvres. 
Yeah, but what do you have and are you willing to be available for this? The issue in this story is sometimes pitted as if, so did God just create bread and fish out of thin air? Or was it because, as some have also said, is like, what probably happened was that people had it, but they just didn't want to let go of it. Everybody was afraid to let go of it because they didn't have enough either. But it was the example of the little boy that, that, that created and let people say, oh, well, I've got some too, and I've got some too. And of course they did because nobody walks out and goes out into the wilderness without some kind of provisions and food. But it was a matter of just being afraid that it wasn't enough, and it was only the example and the way that Jesus approached it that made it available. So on one hand, the question is, could God have done it out of thin air? Sure, God does that kind of stuff. The manna in the wilderness would be one example in the Bible where that has happened before. But that question, even though it might be the right question, only leads in my mind to a speculative kind of faith. Could God have done this? I mean, it's like, could God, could a thousand angels dance on the head of a pen? What an interesting question that's completely irrelevant, has nothing to do with life. Could God, of course God could. But the real question is, and here's I think the heart of this issue for us. Do you believe, not that God could do this, but do you believe that God could use what you have to help meet the needs of those around you? That's a different question. That grounds this in a different way. That makes this a much more of a practical question. Do you actually believe that God could use your little bit as inadequate and as not enough as it is? Would you be able, willing to entrust that to God for what God wants to do to see what happens? I think that was the question of the community that John is being, is addressed to. It is a community that's trying to figure out on the other side of where Jerusalem has been destroyed and, and people don't know what, where God is, what God's supposed to do. How are we supposed to experience the flourishing life? When Do you actually believe that what you've got, if offered to God, would you be willing to believe and entrust that with God that it might be enough? To somehow argue God could have done it out of thin air, is sure. But it doesn't ground itself in the same way. Do you actually believe that what you have could be used? And are you willing to make it available? When the people saw it, whatever happened, when it, whatever happened, what happened was the message got through. That something big happened here. God showed up in a way that we weren't expecting. This was proof to everybody there in all four Gospels that, that God was behind what Jesus was doing, that Jesus was the representative, the prophet, hearkening back to 2 Kings and Elisha and what Elisha did. And, and this was evidence that somehow God was up to something in the midst of them. And so the question of did food materialize out of thin air or did generosity Maybe a false choice. Maybe, maybe it was just both. Maybe in the end, it was as people were offering what they had, as little as it was, there were unseen resources that showed up. 
unseen strength, unseen generosity, unseen food, unseen compassion, unseen faith. Maybe this is a story about a community that is so attuned to Christ in their midst that they are willing to offer and to be a part of what God is trying to do and give what little they have to see if in fact it might be made enough. How it happens may be a mystery, but the, the fact that something happened, something happened should get our attention and it still should. Because it's the same God, it's the same spirit, it's the same work. So how that happens, the important part at this end of the equation is are we willing to offer what we have as ridiculously inadequate as it is to experience the flourishing life, to offer what we have, not what we don't, to no longer worry about whether or not it's enough, but just are we available? Somehow to expect that God is going to do something with that that's amazing is ridiculous in itself. The only thing more ridiculous, according to this story, is to not. Which takes us to this table. Which takes us to this sense of abundance, this thing that is completely inadequate. And the people who were there, inadequate, these people who had an amazing grasp of the obvious. We don't have enough. And yet they were to show up and somehow by coming to this table to remind themselves that even with simple things like bread and juice, a cup, that they would be reminded that God is still in our midst. God is still doing amazing things. And God has offered self to us and is waiting for our response back to God. Would you pray with me? God, as we come to this table, as we come to this place and in the midst of our own just sense of overwhelmed, our own sense of inadequacy, our own sense of we don't have enough, Yet we are still bid to come. We are invited to be a part of. We are invited to offer ourselves here and to receive what you have given us so that somehow, somehow, we could be the people who become witness that God is in our midst. And amazing things are happening. And against all odds, somehow, somehow, there's enough. You're here. As we come to this table, your table, may it be not only a time to catch a glimpse of who you are, but once again, who it is that we are yet to become through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.